This episode was brought to you by Climate Realities Dallas-Fort Worth Chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Green Paths Podcast. I'm Ashrita, and today we'll be focusing a little bit more on the political side of climate careers. I'll be interviewing Priscilla Yevarino, a passionate young political and climate activist from Irving, Texas, who, while being a full-time university student, co-founded Sunrise Movement Dallas and spoke on the Bernie Sanders campaign. We'll be following her advice and her journey that led her to create a wave of social change across Texas. Hi, Priscilla. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you. Great. So you, we spoke a little bit beforehand and you told us about how um, the work that you to do today is really influenced by like your childhood and your family. Um, so tell us really what the roots of your story are and how you got involved with the work that you're so passionate about today. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So my grandparents, my grandfather and my mother and my father uh, are all immigrants from Mexico um, who either crossed the border illegally or wound up staying with their visa here in the United States. Um, and so uh, all of their stories from that point, you know, that's kind of where it starts in the United States, but it actually predates back to when they were in Mexico and um, the, the climate was so bad and the land stopped giving, uh, it stopped being fruitful. And so they were forced to move to the city. Um, and then the city at that time, um, there weren't very many jobs and they were forced to find a, a better future, a better um, place to uh, um, have the money to afford a family. And so they um, ended up moving to the United States. And so that along with, um, you know, my grandfather was let go for attending my high school graduation. I was the first graduate of a family um, mm-hmm. and he was just let go. Um, and, they, you know, they, he'd been working there for a very long time. It was a mail carrier. Um, and yeah, I said, you know, goodbye. And so he was forced into retirement, actually. Um, and that's really what happens every day to people uh, without unions or labor protections. Um, my mother's also a domestic worker. So, you know, she's been through the worst of it, harassment, um, not being paid, uh, all those, again, uh, ways that our society fails to protect um workers, care workers and domestic workers. And uh, my father also, and whole, actually my whole maternal side of the family was let go during COVID um, with, you know, not very much economic justice and immigration and international relations and how the United States um, has contributed to the way things are in, in Mexico and a lot of other countries. Um, those are really the main things that informed um, where I am now. And that's crazy that you had to go through that at such a young age, being able to, you know, see it happen, like this kind of injustice happen within your own family. And I really, really think that there needs to be some more action, some justice happening in that, because like, obviously this episode or this podcast is more centered around the climate movement, but all these things are so related and so intertwined um, and intersectionality is really important. So yeah, taking that, you kind of had that passion instilled into you, I guess, from a young age, and you took that into like your university and your educational experience. So um, how did you 
make the decision of what you were going to major in in university, taking those experiences? Did you have any challenges trying to decide? Yeah, absolutely. So first I want to say that I had a terrible, very tough time getting, um, not getting into college, but getting adjusted my freshman year Mm -hmm. so much that as a first generation student, I failed out completely freshman year. I got all F's. I lost my financial aid. I, it just was, it was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. My parents hadn't had an experience in higher education. And so, um, so yeah, after that, I was actually working in retail for $720, uh, $725 an hour, which is the minimum wage. Another issue I'm very passionate about as well. And took that money and had to pay off my loans from freshman year, which took maybe like two and a half years. So when I went back to school, Um, I still carry journalism with, uh, public relations as my major, um, and it ended up being, you know, and it ended up up being, um, exactly what I'm still doing today. Exactly the, the same degree that I, um, that I utilize every single day, whether I am organizing with Sunrise, organizing with DSA, organizing with other organizations. Um, yeah. And so. After that, I got involved with the Bernie Sanders campaign in 2015, and uh, I was actually it was it was almost like fate. Actually, it was really ridiculous. My um, counselor or my advisor was like, "Hey, you're this many credits away from a political science double major instead of it being a minor," um, and I was absolutely thrilled. So I took up that offer and I ended up doing a double major in political science and journalism. Um, So I was really lucky in the fact that communication, there are so many different jobs in communications because it provides many skills. Um, But yeah, I would say I got to do both what I love and what I'm good at. Um, And so that that was really key, I think, for, for me to be successful during college and after college. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you had that like worth ethic to keep on pursuing after, you know, college gave you a hard time. I know it's definitely because I'm an incoming senior in high school and I'm looking at, you know, college applications and everything. And it's it's so stressful, especially like financially. And then afterwards, you have to decide, you know, is it worth paying for this college? Um, and there's just so many challenges that come with that. And I'm also... Um, super interested in like political science and um, communications. And I know that those majors cover a lot of fields. You can go into a lot of things with that. Um, So do you have any insight on like majors or would you recommend say political science over international relations? Do you have any insight on those kinds of things? I've actually tried to do this with my family um, and I can't tell people like take this degree or take this path. Gotcha. Um, what I, what I would recommend is making sure that your uh, career is sustainable. So like look into the, the future of it. Like what does it look like in, in the next five years according to how technology is evolving? Um, how do you get to work with other industries? Like I chose communications because at first I wanted to be a journalist and then I wanted to be in uh, nonprofits. And finally I ended up not wanting to do either whatsoever, but I'm still in communication. So it was broad enough for me to... Um, utilize all of those skills um, in political work. And so I think that was really important. Obviously, political science um, taught me a lot, but I really gained all most of my political knowledge from outside school. So it was mm-hmm. interesting in that manner. Um, so 
I would say if you're not sure, make sure that it's close to what you love. Um, if you aren't, you know, if you can't quite do exactly what you love, but I always recommend folks also follow their heart in college. Cause if you're not loving what you're doing every day, there's, there's really no point. For sure. Yeah. Always great advice. Um, I know it's definitely difficult to try and make those decisions at a young age, but yeah, as long as you feel in your gut, what you're doing is right, then that should, that should work out. Um, so yeah. So how did you take your political science and your university knowledge? Um, you said you graduated from UNT. Um, so how did you transition into the Bernie Sanders campaign? Um, what was the process like? Uh, what kind of people did you meet? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So my roommate actually introduced me to Bernie before Bernie, I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton before that I'd voted for Obama's second term. Um, so that was really cool and historic for me, obviously the first woman president was also going to be very historic. And so, um, my, roommate was like, Hey, have you heard of this guy, Bernie Sanders? And I was like, no, no way. Like, I don't, I don't know who he is. Um, and I started learning about what he was, you know, what he was asking for, which is taxing the rich and like an actual climate justice plan and, uh, justice for, um, folks who had immigrated to this country decades ago and like still, couldn't get, uh, you know, couldn't get documented, um, the living wage. So basically everything that burnt was on Bernie's policy. I was like, how is it that politicians can actually do this, but they just haven't had the political courage to do so. And so I actually saw Bernie once in 20, like during the 2016 campaign, I, I called out my job. I was like, I'm sick. And I went to go see him. And I think it was Grand Prairie. It was like the AT&T center or something like that. And when I tell you, I got chills because he spoke about undo undocumented people in a way that no politician ever had before. And like, I cried like a full on, like groupie moment, right? Like it was like, I was seeing my favorite band. I never, I'd never seen this man. It was so beautiful. And so I, that really like feeling like I was around all these other Bernie people was really amazing. And I was like, yes, I, I love this feeling. Um, so it was the first time I saw him speak after that. Um, I signed up to volunteer for his event in Fort Worth. It was at the beginning of his campaign. It was all very exciting. And, um, we'd all heard rumors or we knew that if you volunteered for Bernie, uh, like the Bernie event, there was an actual chance, a very likely chance that you would get to take a picture with him or meet him at the very end. Um, he's just notable, like for doing that with all the volunteers. So I signed up and I, there was this little quiz that said, um, what organizations are you with? And so I said, Sunrise, cause I'd started Sunrise. I said DSA, cause I was a DSA member at that point. Um, I'd organized a little bit or gone to our revolution events. Um, and then basically like they asked you your demographics. Um, and like I said, I was in school and gave my age. And so, um, I, they called me up and they were like, Hey, like, how would you like to speak before Bernie? And I like, I thought it was a joke. I was like, no way. Like, but I obviously said yes. Yeah. Um, and wrote a short or wrote a speech, um, and me along with two other speakers, uh, one of them who I'm still friends with, um, we spoke before Bernie in front of a large crowd of people larger than I'd ever spoken to. Um, wow. and it was really beautiful. 
And then soon afterwards, they like rushed us into like this building in Fort Worth and we got to take a photo with him. That was amazing, but it was very brief. Um, so towards the end of his campaign, actually on February 15th, February 14th, Valentine's Day, um, again, towards the end of his campaign, it wasn't over yet, um, but it was nearing that. It was a, a month before COVID exploded in the U.S. Um, again, this is from like relationships that I built with people who'd built with people on the Bernie campaign. They were like, hey, we're looking for a speaker. Yeah. yeah. And so a Sunrise friend said, um, hey, like, would do you want to speak for Bernie again? And I was like, again, like, how do you even like what's happening? And so he said, yeah, he's like, they need they need a good um, speaker for, for, for Bernie. And so. I was like, yeah. And then obviously like, I'd love to. And so, um, again, prep my speech and then I get there and this was much more different than the first one because there were the democratic party from Dallas and the democratic party from Fort Worth leaders there, there were ledge representatives there. There was, um, Omar Suleimani, who was a religious and political leader in Irving, and so many other people that, you know, you just kind of get like a little starstruck because in Dallas they're, they're, you know, they have, they have significant power. Um, and so there was me, <laughs> I was like, they were like, who are you? I was like, I'm with Sunrise and no one knew who what Sunrise was. Um, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I was like, yeah, I'm, I was much younger than everyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of just sat around and then Bernie spoke to us and was like, how, how do we win Texas? And I distinctly remember um, he like I I was one of the only Latinx leaders in the room and um, it was really cool because he goes well you know like we were talking about topics that people care about and then he brought up like you know like do everyone knows like what Latinos care about like the number one issue and I was like yeah it's healthcare so like I answered Bernie's question it was it was it was like that was really like striking. Um, how humble he was and how like, sure, you know, sure he was out of all these people together, we would, we would do something amazing. Um, so that was a beautiful moment for sure. Um, and then after I got to speak again, um, it was much scarier than the first time we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. It didn't get better. No, <laughs> not at all. It's great. Yeah. And it's great to see that Bernie is from your experience, um, yeah. definitely a genuine politician because we definitely have a shortage of those in the U.S. At that point, the day after Donald Trump won, I was like, I, I made myself, I made myself promise that I would do like a yes. I kept saying I would get involved and I would get involved. And then I was like, the next thing that comes my way, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm just going to say yes. Like I'm not going to get into too many details. And so I went to this um, like organizational fair at school. That's where it started. Um, and then there was this organization called Ignite, which was for nonpartisan. It was nonpartisan and it was for women to help other women um, run for run for, pol- you know, run uh, for political positions, but also support the women that do. And it was nonpartisan, but it was at UNT. And so mostly every one there was like a Bernie supporter. And there was, I think like one Ted Cruz in turn, um, but everyone else was um, progressive. And so on like my third meeting, um, this woman comes in and she 
says I'm running for office for Congress. I'm a single mom. And she like dropped the F bomb. And I was like, yes, I love you. Like I want to volunteer for you. So that was my second. Yes. The first one was ignite. I would join ignite. Uh, being a, a part of Lindsay's campaign was a second. Yes. And I it just, it felt like free falling. I just kept getting more like, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And so I became her communications coordinator. Eventually um, all of these positions, obviously most of them are volunteer. Um, so I got to like write press releases for her social media posts. Um, so through that, um, when that campaign was over and when the better campaign was over, I felt like I had no place to go. I tried to join a DSA meeting, which is the Democratic Socialist of America um, here in North Texas. And they weren't too friendly at a meeting that I attended. And so, um, and then the, you know, the meeting that was in Dallas was like 40 minutes away because I was living in Denton. So I um, looked up Sunrise Movement after hearing a little bit about them too. And saw that there was no hub and it seemed easier to start than a DSA chapter did. And so I... I just did it. I just registered and other people started contacting me. And I was like, I want to start this hub because there's not a hub. So like, do you want to help me? And so me along with um, Armin, Hope, Javier and John uh, started the hub. We started meeting like, um, yeah, we just started meeting and then it just, it just happened. Um, and so it really was just me saying yes to things that I liked and finding spaces in which I felt comfortable. Um, cause I think if you are a young person and you're a Bernie supporter or you care about, you know, pr- progress, economic justice, then you just show up to any political meeting. You're not automatically going to feel like you belong. Um, so I think finding the organizations that you agree with and finding the people that you feel comfortable around is really key in continuing to do the work. Yeah, no, definitely. There's a lot of like gritty work involved trying to find like the place that you belong because yeah, yeah, especially in political organizations, everyone sort of has like slightly differing opinions and there is some compromise that you're going to have to do. But yeah, um, I think in that like transitionary period, trying to figure out where you're most comfortable, a lot of people drop out and give up, but that's great that you like really show that persistence. And now Sunrise Movement is as big as it is today. So um, yeah, so tell us about some of the things that Sunrise Movement Dallas is doing. Of course, it is a youth-led movement. Gosh, where do I begin? Um, okay, so we st- we founded the hub, and then soon after, um, there were city council. Um, there was a there was an effort to start pushing uh, climate policy in Dallas uh, called CCAP. It had a lot of variations um, to pass city council, and there was um, an effort from a lot of different organizations working together to try to get this passed. Um, it ultimately was unsuccessful. It wasn't exactly what Sunrise folks and other people who wanted um, a more just piece of legislation passed. Um, it, it wasn't that at the end, but um, that was the first piece. Obviously, um, right after the Bernie campaign ended, um, I, uh, or sorry, uh, the the pandemic started, right? And so we had to get in this like weird mode where like people were showing up to our meetings, but obviously we were going through a very traumatic time for so many people. Um, and so we kept meeting online. And then after that, um, the uh, on May 25th, uh, George Floyd was murdered and uh, racial justice protests and uprisings all across this country um, happened. 
And um, a lot of organizing took place. The defund the police movement is something that Sunrise Movement um, definitely supported and organized for, organizing conjunction with a movement for Black Lives. Um, and so supporting that was a really, to a lot of people may not be a lot, but to me personally was one of the best things that we, that we did. We uh, endorsed candidates for Texas Ledge. A lot of them lost. Um, we had an underdog win. Her name is Jasmine Crockett and she's now in the t- Texas Ledge. Um, and then recently we had some city council members that we endorsed also win. Our electoral team is amazing and they do a lot. Uh, during the Texas freeze, um, we just were like, what do we do? Like there are hundreds of people without electricity currently, and it is freezing like it's never been before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we already had a really strong piece of our hub. Uh, they would go volunteer for mutual aid organizations like Feed the People, mm-hmm. uh, Oak Cliff Veggie Project. And so they really led in making sure that they were out driving, delivering people food. Um, And so I think it was on the, right before the freeze, it just, I just felt really helpless and like just really sick to my stomach, honestly, that I couldn't sleep till 3 a.m. And so I think all of us were on that same, we're in that same space um, because we, you know, we felt helpless. Like there was nothing that the government was going to do to help us. I asked everyone if it was okay um, that we texted our membership list for donations to get money for people who might need it. And so two other people joined me in texting. And from then I got the idea to post it on social media mm-hmm. and basically like snowballed, no pun intended, but it snowballed. Um, and we ended up getting $54,000 um, in mutual aid cash um, just from like the beginning us texting our members to like Sunrise National posting it on their social media and then Sunrise folks from all over the country um, donated $54,000. And so we worked around the clock together, like on our phones, like, Hey, like, can this family needs this, this family needs this. And so just like sending people cash, like anyone who needed it, sending people food. There were people who were stranded and didn't have transportation and we had to have people drive out there. And so um, that was an, uh, like, again, another really beautiful moment that a lot of people may not um, pay attention to because I know electoral politics are like sexy and a lot of this other stuff isn't. But um, to me, the defund support and the mutual aid during the Texas freeze were the most beautiful moments of uh, Sunrise Dallas's um, short history. Yeah, no. And I I remember because like I follow Sunrise Dallas on Instagram and like seeing during the freeze like y'all seem to be doing the most amount of like work. Like there's actual like things being moved, stuff being done. Um, it was just amazing. Like seeing people actually go out during the storm. Cause I know like people just didn't want to leave their houses and um, we're scared to especially drive down to Dallas. If you're living in like cities further um, than Dallas. And it's just, it was, it was really amazing seeing everyone like come together because honestly People will talk a big game, but then when it comes down to doing the nitty gritty, especially like you said, electoral politics is sexy. It's not right. especially, um, you know, the name and really what matters is the physical work getting done, um, which Sunrise is great at. So you've done an amazing job with that. Um, and I know social media is a really good way to get the word out. And so how did like social media affect your um 
experiences. Um, I know sometimes obviously it can get chaotic, but in a lot of ways it can help. Um, so did social media sort of help you network? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I would do without social media. And like, <laughs> I know that's terrible, right? For so many reasons, but, uh, so my first really big, um, like tip for people and something that actually congressional candidate Lindsay Fagan taught me and like told all of us was like, add everyone on Facebook, like add people, like if they think you're crazy, it doesn't matter. Like add them on Facebook, add them on LinkedIn, whatever. So I started doing that. I started doing that at work with people I clicked with. Obviously it wasn't everyone. I didn't click with everybody. Um, it was people who I had mutual friends with who had, who were at organizations, um, it was friends of friends who were, you know, all of these different extended relationships that you, that I ended up having have mm-hmm. led to so many times when I'm like, Hey, there's somebody, you know, there, like I said, during the Texas freeze, it was like, there's somebody stranded in Sanger, Texas, like in the middle of nowhere, like, can somebody go help? And it was like friends of friends who had added me or who I had added that were there. Yeah. Um, it was like, and we would pull put a call like, Hey, what if we for city council, like all build a coalition between progressive organizations and get folks elected. And so definitely, definitely like we're not all in the same organizations and we don't all know the same people. So it's going to take lots of different communities, um, to connect. And that is exactly what social media did during the Bernie campaign for all the people in Texas. It's exactly what helped us during the Texas freeze. Um, and it's exactly, you know, what, what leads to so many great moments in, in organizing nowadays. Yeah, it's a huge factor in what plays, like makes these big organizations actually move mountains. Um, so that's great. Yeah, I, I need to get more active on Facebook. Like, Because a lot of people are like, Oh, Facebook's for the old people. I'm not going to get on there. But yeah, Facebook and LinkedIn, you need those. Um, can I ask more about again, to like go back to the career oriented side of things? We're just this is like a general question being in like the humanities, political science communications world. um, A lot of times people are like, oh, that's not a money-making field. Um, So did you ever have like fears or tensions with that? Mm -hmm. But um, how do you make money working Mm -hmm. in nonprofits and NGOs? Totally, totally. Yeah, so I've worked um, in retail. I've worked as a waitress for like two weeks. I worked... Um, at a nonprofit. Uh, I worked as a communications coordinator, and now I'm working as a comms associate for Democratic Socialists of America. So I've had a little bit of experience doing a lot of different things um, as it pertains to communication. And I definitely entered uh, this this industry because in high school, I was like, I want to be Samantha Jones from Sex in the City. Like, I want to make that money. Yes. I want to like go to big events and all this stuff. And um, at one point politics went over in that I did not want money as bad as I wanted to be a part of something, be a part of a movement that would change things um, for the better and not just say that they would change things. Um, So then obviously I transitioned to the nonprofit world and I realized that Nonprofits were not much better. Um, nonprofits still made a, a lot of money um, from keeping the things that, that they were. And, and um, you know, later educated myself. Um, so I'm not saying that folks shouldn't work for nonprofits, but I felt like there was money being held up at nonprofits that could have been directly aiding communities for a very long time. 
Gotcha. And so not necessarily true to their name. Correct. And it's not that they were bad nonprofits, but obviously there's a lot of overhead and a lot of staff uh, salaries that have to be paid and, you know, rent that has to be paid. And so um, I genuinely believe that that money should be spent given directly to the communities that need it. Um, So there's not an easy answer to this question. What I would say is that you really do have to decide if you want to make a ton of money and really not like what you do, um, or if you are okay with like trying to make as much money as possible, especially again, if you are a child of immigrants and you feel like, wow, my parents went through so much to um, have me here and, and put me in school here and work two or three jobs to, to pay for my education or just to give me my car, things like that, that you have to think about as a Uh, children of immigrants as as I did. Um, So yeah, like you will try, you will have to try to make the most amount of money doing what you feel like, wow, this is a livable career. Like I can do this every day. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many things that you have to think about. Like, do you want to drive? Do you want to commute? Do you want to be in the private industry, which I know is soul sucking, but makes more money. Do you want to work in public administration, which is what I'm getting my master's in currently. Um, And so, yeah, those are really important things that you have to talk about with yourself and and really consider. And I learned just by living through them and then wanting to do nonprofits and then doing it and then working as a wedding coordinator and doing it. And um, I'm the happiest I've been right now where I am. That's great. Yeah, it's definitely, I guess, just about experimenting and figuring out mm-hmm. where your place is. This like one question that we ask at the end of our episodes. Do you have a book or movie recommendation um, related to the climate movement that you'd recommend or some kind of media content? Oh, I'm sure I have a ton. Um, I think a really important one um, has been joyful militancy. So it's not just about climate crisis, but it's about a lot of like organizations and how um, as organizers in the political world, you get burnt out. So I think it's really beautiful. And it's just talking about how we have to make spaces really fun for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that's really simplified, but it's, it's a book that really changed the way that I look at yeah Mm -hmm. mental health within the political world like oh my god how do you deal with the constant stress of like seeing people not always doing things for the right intentions like people talking a big game but just doing it for the clout like how do you deal with that mentally with that pressure on your back every day yeah okay so this is actually a a beautiful question because uh it's something that any of us who care about progress and care about the future and care about the planet and care about one another um, have to go through. And I think that you have to understand, and this is something that I remind myself to do every day, is that um, we have to stop looking at things as individuals, right? Um, And so start learning that, that this is a system um, built by, by people and by people who place profits over people. And, um, so I myself can't have to try to not blame myself or cry myself to sleep, you know, after what we saw during the Texas freeze, 
um, because I can't do it all. It's going to take all of us. So I think anything that you do every single day to connect with one other person, to look a unhoused person in the eyes, um, because, you know, when people pass by them, they don't even acknowledge their presence. Um, when you accept someone's humanity the way that they are, those are the things that help me feel like, wow, like we're going to do it together. Um, so I think really leaning on community and stop looking at it as a, like my mental health, mm-hmm. it's like all of our mental health is kind of tossed to the side because this is a system of the world that we live in. So really leaning on community is, is key. And whether that's family, whether that's church, whether that's a, a, a sports team, um, it's, it's just other people. Gotcha. Great. Well, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it for us. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else that you feel like you want to talk about? You didn't get to. Um, I just want to recruit for sunrise. If you're interested in sun- joining sunrise, we love new energy. We love new people. And most of the best things happen when new people come in and they have ideas for projects that we should work on campaigns that we should work on. So, um, add us on Facebook and it follows on Instagram and join the next meeting. Thank you for listening to this inspiring episode of the Green Paths podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or have a guest that you'd like to be featured on one of our future episodes, please drop us an email at thegreenpathsgang at gmail.com. See you guys next episode.